Um, hi everyone. Um, we're so excited to have um, Professor Mike Mike here today um, on our podcast series. Um, Professor Mike is an Associate Professor of Business and Sustainability and the Undergraduate Program Director at the Strulik Business School, Business York University. His research examines the intersection between business and society, also called corporate social responsibility, with an emphasis on how and why businesses respond to pressures to act responsibly or irresponsibly. Mike teaches responsible business across multiple programs at the business school. Mike has also consulted for a number of organizations working to adopt responsible business practices. And he sits on the board of directors of Meridian Credit Union. Um, Professor Mike, we're so um, excited to have you here today. And um, you know we look forward to having insightful discussions with you um, on CSR and sustainability, which you know our, 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 the GRN network is very passionate about and has been investing over over the time. So, um, Mike, we have the very first question we're going to ask you is, uh, what role does the board of directors have in setting up ESG policies? Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the topic of corporate social responsibility, sustainability. Um, ESG, environment, social, and governance, um, all of these are somewhat synonyms of each other, has grown quite explosively over the last several years. Mm-hmm. So the, the role of the board has has grown considerably as a result. We have to kind of step back and think about, you know, what is the role of the board? What's the role? Do, what does the board do? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one of the key things they do is, is they have an oversight of strategy. Mm. Um, and also they, they have to pay a lot of attention to risk. Mm. Um, so varies by industry somewhat on, on how risk plays out, but the first sort of starting point is whether or not the organization, uh, the board is overseeing is, is adequately accounting for, for future risk. Um, and so where, uh, CSR has really emerged in many organizations is through climate change. And the board is asking management whether or not they are in incorporating climate change risk into their decision. And so, you know, at the bare minimum, you start to see boards asking these broader questions of management to see whether or not the risks of ignoring things like climate change, uh, racism, systemic racism, um, and other social and ecological issues could carry significant risks for the organization. And so it should come naturally as part of the risk assessment process. Yeah. Uh, most boards have a risk committee or an audit and finance and risk committee. Okay. And so these sorts of questions, I would imagine over the last six months around climate change have emerged across a number of organizations, especially um, you know, um, uh, heavy emitter type industries, um, the banking sector, uh, a number of them. Oh. And then you kind of think about also the strategic role. So the board has to oversee strategy and approve strategy. Mm-hmm. And so that could, CSR could very much come up in that conversation to say, mm-hmm. what, yeah. how does CSR play a role in our strategy? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, do we want to be a, a leader in the space of, of um, you know, things like uh, ecosystem restoration or uh, social inequality that may exist? Um, and so in some cases, organizations try to position themselves as leaders in this space, and, and that becomes part of the strategy of the organization. Mm. And then from there, it's up to management to 
to develop some policies that you know could be developed iteratively with the board on on where they stand in a number of issues. Um, uh, but those are those are I, I guess as a start a, a couple of areas that the board interfaces with CSR and, and sustainability. Okay. Thank you so much, Mike. And then over time, how effective has you know this? has the board been able to carry out ESG policy? Because sometimes like over time, even from the legal angle, we realize that shareholders might be like a hindrance, you know, for the board to carry out effective ESG policy. So how do you think the board can actually balance this competing interest between satisfying the investors, you know, satisfying the employees? And how do you think the board can manage it effectively? Yeah, so you have to think of, of the adoption of CSR and sustainability along a continuum. Hmm. Um, where on the one side of the continuum, you know, you you can consider everything you do as it relates to CSR has a direct benefit to shareholders, and so that's kind of getting to the business case exactly. of CSR. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, in that case, it, it it's more a matter of a management decision to move in that direction, and it's well justified by shareholders. Um, there's variation, of course, in the time period that the return uh, is generated. So you have, you know, your low-hanging fruit that could result in cost reductions that shareholders would be would be happy with. You also have more longer-term mm. commitments um, that perhaps shareholders will not be patient on, and you start to to generate a bit of tension. Mm. And then the other end of the spectrum is going to be those sorts of decisions and CSR pursuits that uh, don't have an obvious sort of connection with with shareholder wealth maximization again comes down to comes down to timing so it could be you know investing in a more long-term uh profitability outcome mm, and mm. then it's a matter of whether or not you have the shareholders on board increasingly shareholders are demanding these sorts of things um especially when it comes from a risk perspective but also just from a an altruistic perspective investors increasingly are looking to organizations to to face these difficult questions of, of you know if you look at, at banking around the world mm. um, you know the, the the investment in fossil fuels is still relatively lucrative and so I can generate some some good return over the next couple of years for shareholders or if I divest from uh, from fossil fuels uh, and uh, move in a different direction or or just you know have a, a less lucrative portfolio what's going to happen to my shareholders. So there is that tension. Um, and uh, for public companies, it's a bit more difficult to navigate that tension exactly. uh, because it gets reflected in your stock price. Exactly. But it, it, it's very much up to, um, you know, the management team, the board of directors to, to have a clear strategy um, that is going to demonstrate how decisions today are going to lead to long run profitability. Hmm. Um, and your analysts and your investors, the smart ones, will recognize that, hey, this, say this particular bank or this particular organization is seeing increased climate regulation coming. And hmm. while they may generate positive return in the next couple of years, they need to invest now into hmm. alternative, um, uh, into a more diversified portfolio, let's say, uh, so that they are well positioned to navigate the storm of, of increased regulation and, um, you know, just market sort of disciplinary measures against uh, fossil fuels. So a lot of it is in the, in the communication, in, in how well defined the strategy is, and how well they're connecting the decisions they're making today with, uh, with long-term profitability. 
Exactly. Thank you so much, Max. So the main, the key is, you know, trying to connect it with the long-term profitability. And also, um, like you said, the business case as well. I think that will be, because over time, there has been criticisms that, you know, what if, you know, if a company is adopting an ESG policy, for example, but then there might not be a business case involved, for example. So do you think that, um, um, you know, do you think that that will work for, for with investors, for example? So imagine there's an e, there's an ESG policy brought up by the board of directors, but then somehow there's no business case involved at the mo- at that moment. Do you think yep. that will still be, be be in place? Yeah. So you you have to start to build a you know as an organization a bit of a framework to to really distinguish the different CSR initiatives that you take on. Hmm. So some will have an obvious business case. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, cost reduction, uh, being more efficient in your in your facilities, uh, using less water, um, you know, um, uh, a number of these uh, factors will lead to, you know, obvious sort of short term business case benefits. But then you have to distinguish those from those, those sort of elements that perhaps are less obvious. So let's consider something like systemic racism and the degree to which you want to incorporate a more diversified employee base, a more diversified management team, um, and uh, you know your your need a little bit more uh, in terms of, of vocabulary and communication uh, to help uh, short-term investors understand where the value is in making these sorts of decisions. Um, and then, you know, you, you also got to think about um, what is the purpose of the organization? Why do they exist as an organization? Is the board facilitating these sorts of questions? So is it, is it to maximize profit over the next couple of years? It's very rare that you're going to see an organization with its mission statement to do that. So, so why do they exist? Uh, um, and how does their that purpose sort of linked to what their CSR policies want to be and, and, and where they want to, you know, put a stake in the ground to say we want to be leaders in this social or ecological issue as it relates to our, to our product portfolio. Uh, so, so there is going to be a mix. It depends on, you know, how um, the different CSR initiatives relate to short or longer term uh, return. Um, and in some cases, there won't be necessarily a return. Um, that's obvious to the investor or to other stakeholders, but it's still a necessary part of why the organization exists. Mm, mm. It's linked to the purpose of the company. Mm-hmm, for sure. So if you look at a company like Patagonia, which is an apparel firm uh, based in California, so okay. you know they're, they're, they're not a public company, so they're private, so they have perhaps a little bit more latitude, uh, but their purpose is, is not to generate you know, maximize profitability. Certainly that's a part of their objectives, okay. uh, but environmental conservation is the key part of what they do. Hmm. Uh, look at look at Unilever as well as a company that is really moved away from profit maximization as being their, their sort of sole objective. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, you need, you need to, to help uh, socialize investors around why that as a strategy is key for long-term success. Hmm. Um, and some some investors will not have the patience for that or will not get it, and that's fine. That's true. And a management team needs to be okay with, hey, we're okay losing some investors. We want the investors who really believe in the purpose of our organization. And there, yeah. there are an increasing number of those investors uh, who, are, who are looking to that. The conversations they're having today, especially among a lot of the institutional investors that are out there. 
Hmm, hmm, hmm. Thank you so much, Mike. That's such a very good answer. Because most times, you know, you know, people are like, you know, some company, some shareholders are in the in the business to make, you know, short term goals. But then, like you said, the purpose of the company is very crucial. Once you can link the CSR strategy, like you have said, to the purpose, I think, you know, to some extent, you know, the the investors will understand the message. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to preclude. There's a lot of greenwashing out there where you know yeah. there's marketing around. Um, you know, the, the, the purpose that we have and here's all the great things that we're doing. And, and these are going to be all low-hanging fruit, the obvious things that you would already do, regardless of your, your position on CSR. Hmm. Um, and so, unfortunately, at the moment among public companies, this sort of greenwashing, greenwashing marketing tactics have, have sort of dominated the, the CSR landscape and it's distracted um, hmm. us in terms of us being the business community from some of the more difficult, challenging issues um, because investors, other stakeholders think these companies are doing something, something valuable. When you kind of peel behind the, you know, peel the onion a little bit and you realize they're, they're, they're really uh, ignoring some of the more fundamental issues that their business uh, is helping to create by distracting viewers and shareholders about, you know, some of the more, surface level symbolic initiatives that they're doing yeah thank you so much mike that's really really um interesting to hear like basically the fact that more investors are involved in you know sustainability issues because over time you know shareholders have just been short term like they want to make profit immediately as soon as possible and then pull out if possible once they're done but it's really you know with the whole climate change um, legislation even with the court cases on climate change issues i think more investors are now interested in firms that are you know, sustainability oriented and paying attention to the greenwashing issue as well. Yeah, because there's a risk associated with the the greenwashing um, that that comes out. Hmm. Uh, And so, you know, there there could be um, a number of different uh, financial uh, penalties that can emerge um, Hmm. with organizations that are just more doing symbolic CSR. Uh, so take, you know, take an example of, a, of using banking to stay on banking for a minute. So you look at any of their, their sustainability reports and it's going to be um, full of, of all of these fancy pictures and all of the philanthropic initiatives that they're doing. You know, they're, they're helping conserve water. They're helping communities, um, you know, build resources and to be more sustainable over time. But when you kind of look at, you know, the, the bulk of their portfolio, you know, um, heavily invested in uh, heavily polluting uh, industries um, or indirectly fostering, you know, a number of different oppressive regimes in different countries, they're not going to talk much about that. And mm-hmm. so that that's really where they're, you know, they exist as an organization and they are an intermediary for funding. Um, yet they don't really talk about how their core operations, their core business as, as a financial institution and the, the impact that that has on, on CSR and, and ESG measures. Mm-hmm. And so it's up to, you know, there's a, there's a heavy marketing budget put towards making sure that, that people are distracted by all of these philanthropic initiatives. Mm-hmm. And the board is involved in that as well. So it, it, it does come down to a question of how long does that financial institution or, or bank want to play that game? Mm. The risk is the risk is increasing over time. The more that they play that uh, that sort of symbolic CSR game. Mm. But then, do you think there are like some what dogs to kind of to you know fight to like pull out companies that are engaging in greenwashing? Like, are there like laws in place to like 
you know, you know, try and detect companies that are engaging in greenwashing. And did you say laws or, or like, you mean laws like, uh, or did you say doc, documents? Like documents and then laws as well. And then do we have like external um, verification um, mechanisms in place to find out the companies that are engaging in greenwashing and how to like punish them, for example? Uh, no, there really isn't. So you, you have organizations that, um, you know, might have similar to how any organization hires uh, an accounting firm to uh, audit its financial statements. You can get an accounting firm to audit their CSR report. Hmm. But the role of the auditor is more to, to verify that what you're reporting on is in fact true. It's not at all questioning whether what you're reporting on is in fact the, the, the significant part of your CSR issues, hmm. right? Hmm. So there, there are sort of, um, you know, kind of ad hoc organizations here and there that, that try to, to bring up uh, some of this greenwashing, um, nothing, nothing systematic. Um, the, the, what it comes down to is, is the reporting. So the reporting on these issues yeah. around ESG is, is very fragmented. And so if I'm an organization looking to, I just want to look good, then I want to choose a reporting platform that best, that makes me look the best. Hmm, and so that's very different from the financial services, from financial reporting, where hmm. it's pretty much all the same. It's very standardized. You, you can't divert from, you know, the accounting standard. Hmm. We're nowhere near that yet on non-financial measures. And so it's really tricky for an observer to kind of tell, is this company actually greenwashing or mm. because they, they seem to be adhering to, you know, reporting along this standard. Mm. Um, but the standards in many cases don't have much teeth. Um, and like I said, there's, there's a, a wide variety of them. So in Canada, if it's anywhere else, uh, we're moving in the next six months. I think it's the U.S., a few other countries where the, we're trying to, from an accounting perspective, really streamline and consolidate and centralize uh, what uh, ESG reporting should look like. Mm. And so then you, then you would then have something to look to, to compare companies uh, amongst one another, to pull out what, what could be more greenwashing than uh, you know, something substantive. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Mark. That's so that's such a very comprehensive answer. Thank you so much. Um, the next question is how much does ESG weigh into a CEO or executive team's decisions? Yeah, so it depends on the industry. Um, so, you know, I think it was uh, Shell was actually the first company to release the sustainability report in 1993 okay. um, because, you know, they're an oil and gas company, your mining companies your transportation sector, they're going to be the ones where you saw an early sort of uh, involvement of the executive team, largely because they were facing so much pressure. And so they had to respond by, you know, reporting back, here's what we're doing on, on our social, ecological and governance issues. And so as soon as it bubbles up as being a, a significant risk to the organization, which in Shell's case it was, and, and many heavy polluting companies it rises up to the board asking management to say, what are we doing to respond to these pressures? Mm. In contrast, you look at, you know, the retail sector, um, social media uh, mm. platforms, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit far removed from, you know, the, the consumer or even regulators 
um, sort of easy to see connection between what they're doing on an everyday basis as a business and social and ecological issues. Mm. So you have to kind of think about the different sectors. Um, and then, um, you know, how much pressure is that industry facing? So social media is a, is a recent one where up until the last year, year and a half, uh, CSR was non-existent to what they were doing. Um, but over time with misinformation, with political influence on their platforms, they've had to really face, uh, you know, the, the sort of S part of the ESG, the social part. Yeah. Uh, at the executive level to say, okay, what are we doing uh, to stem uh, what is a growing issue as it relates to misinformation and, and political influence, privacy issues? And the initial response by Facebook and others was, this is not our problem. We're just a platform. But I'm sure their board, I'm sure stakeholders outside of the company said, no, no, it is your problem. It's your <laughs> platform. And so these companies have now at the executive level needed to figure out what is our stance going to be on this? How are we going to enforce uh, information on social media? So, you know, to answer your question, it, it really depends on, on the industry, how, how uh, aware society is of a particular issue, you know, climate change. If you're an industry that's uh, in, complicit in climate change, it's going to be all over the management team. If you're in the social media company, then, you know, the, the misinformation and uh, given COVID uh, is going to be all over the discussions at the board table and executive table. Um, at the retail level, you look at, at, at apparel, the conversation that they're getting into around CSR is going to be fast fashion and how much waste that industry is creating. Mm. So it depends on the industry, which then influences what issue they're looking at. And thus, mm. as a response, um, you know, what, what's our CSR stance? Uh, at, at the executive level and how are we going to respond to this? And like I said, the response could be, uh, let's, let's engage in a bunch of philanthropic stuff to, to distract mm -hmm. from the main issue. Another mm -hmm. one is going to be, you know, the more business case. Uh, this is yes. how we're going to address these issues. And then the third one is going to be sort of a Patagonia style, which is saying, we know this is an issue. And, and we're actually going to um, go in the opposite direction of what a business should be doing by discouraging our customers from buying more of our products, right? Which is, you know, think is the antithesis of what a business is supposed to do. Mm. Um, but th so then you have a variety of responses according to the issue that is pervasive in your industry. Mm. Okay. So at that point, so you, you, your opinion is, is the fact that, you know, it's only through reporting that we can weigh in the extent to which they consider ESG issues of the board through the reporting. What other medium can you know? Can the board tell you know, show the public that they that when they are making decisions like serious and um, critical company decisions, ESG issues flag up. What other means can they show the public that ESG issues flag up in their in their decision making process? Yeah. So I mean, reporting is 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 only part of it. Um, you know, the, the board might say, "Hey, we need to. St I need to see when I meet quarterly with management." how we're performing along ESG. And I need a report on that every quarter. Um, but, you know, the, the more um, substantive side of where it bubbles up with the board is, is just going to be, you know, strategic. Mm. Um, you know, so if you, th if you take, you know, social media companies as an example, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a decision around, you know, 
where, where, how are we differentiated among our competitors? Mm. And to what extent is, is CSR, or in this case, you know, the, the tightening on uh, misinformation and, and having a more um, truth-oriented social media platform going to be part of our strategy as an organization? And that's, of course, tied to the purpose of the organization, which really resides with the board. Mm. And so it, it, it begs a broader question outside of reporting, you know, why do we exist as an organization? Mm. And so that happened with Facebook, where they said, we, we're, just a, we're just a platform through which people communicate and engage in, in, in uh, you know, sharing information. That transition to, you know, we're, we're much more than that, mm. whether we like it or not. Yeah. And so that, that's not necessarily a reporting thing. That's a question of, you know, strategically, uh, how, how are we going to position ourselves on this issue relative to our competitors? Uh, and that, that's a pretty important sort of decision that needs to be had at the executive level, uh, similar to at the board level. Okay, thank you so much, Mike, for that answer. And the, the third question will be taken by Carolina Fabara. She just joined us and then she'll be so excited to like ask you um, more questions on CSR and sustainability and corporate governance. So Carolina, oh, sure. you. Hi Carolina, how are you? Hi Mike, thank you so much for joining this podcast. We are so happy you accept our invitation. And I want to ask you, does the board of directors consult with experts on what ESG policies they must follow? Yeah, in many cases, um, you know, boards are are just starting to get their head around what what ESG is, um, and so you now have accounting firms uh, who are who have moved in this direction in terms of ESG, and they're providing advice to or to boards around you know what it means, uh, how to build a framework to to determine what uh, the organization's uh, stance should be on these issues. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the quick answer to your question is yes, because boards just lack the confidence in this space. Um, increasingly though, boards through their nominating committee are being much more um, casting their net perhaps wider to recognize we might need to bring more people in who have a, a deeper understanding of ESG issues onto the board. So we have the competence internally to test management on, on how they're responding to these issues. And so that's kind of building at grassroots within the board, but but no doubt, you know, there's a lot of uh, boutique consulting firms out there. There's a lot of consultants out there. There's a lot of the accounting firms who have diversified their service to include ESG. And so it is this sort of primer on on what is this? What does this mean for us? Uh, how how do we uh, you know figure out what our response is going to be, if if anything? Um, because it's, it's a pretty complex uh, landscape when you think of all of the different ways a company interfaces with the environmental, social, and governance angles. Um, and so it, it, it's, it takes a bit of time to get their head around what ESG means to, uh, to a particular organization. And sometimes a, an expert consultant uh, can help provide that, that, sort of, uh, uh, that sort of lens. And I've, I've done that with a few organizations uh, to, to kind of give them, you know, you know, the more obvious sort of connections with ESG and then perhaps the less obvious ones that they never really thought about in perhaps their supply chain um, that they, they haven't paid much attention to. 
yet the risk of not paying attention to it uh, is growing as these, these issues become part of the, the, the social landscape. Uh, and so you kind of need that outsider expertise among certain industries where the board just doesn't have the competence uh, to, to really have the vocabulary to raise the questions with, with management. Thank you so much, Mike, for your question. And my um, second question was, how do companies decide on the most suitable ESG policy for them? Yeah, um, I mean, we have to be careful when we use uh, the word policy, because I think you know, policy is, is part of a broader response to ESG, um, you know, in, in terms of, of what the company's stance is on ESG. Uh, but the, the, the spirit of the question around, you know, trying to decide um, what, what sort of uh, ESG um, uh, strategy they should pursue or, or what they, they shouldn't pursue, um, if I'm getting that, that question right, um, you know, it, it's, it's, think less about the, 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 the nature of the policy, think more about the issues that are relevant to your organization. Um, you can you can quickly uh, spiral out of control by trying to, to cover all aspects of ESG. So there's, you know, if you look at the UN sustainability development goals, there's up to 20, 23 of them now. Um, and so no doubt every organization is gonna touch one of these in some way, and you can get pretty overwhelmed quickly. So the, the most important thing is, is thinking about, okay, let, let's kind of think about this, the diagram where in the center of the circle, is going to be those ESG components that are directly related to what we do on an everyday basis. You know, so if we're a grocery chain uh, in a given context, you know, uh, health and well-being of consumers, uh, nutrition going to be a big one. Um, you know, supply chain, the, the ecological effects of the supply chain. Those are going to be some of the obvious sort of things. Um, and then you see, as you make your way out of the circle, you can start to get into a number of other uh, less less explicit or, or less obvious components of ESG uh, that you can perhaps tackle a little bit later. But the most important thing is to start off with understanding, you know, where do we have the greatest impact from a social, environmental and governance perspective? And, and what's our stance going to be in terms of how we're going to respond to that? Uh, are we going to start reporting it on it? On it? Um, are we going to look for you know, the business case to improve uh, this front? Are we going to take on beyond the business case? So if you look at an example like, you know, climate change again, which is a popular one, uh, you know, is, is our, you know, first sort of, of, of leap into ESG is going to be starting to report on our car carbon emissions. And so the obvious sort of, not the obvious, but the lowest hanging fruit there is what you call your scope one emissions, which is everything that you have control over. So if you go back to the grocery chains, you know, all the, the energy used for grocery stores um, to operate your retail uh, facilities. But then your scope two and three starts to get into the supply chain, you know, the, the, the suppliers of the products that are on our shelves, what's their carbon emission, uh, carbon emissions like. Um, and so it's, it's a matter of really thinking about, um, you know, what is the issue that we want to take on that's particularly relevant to our business? Then how, what is our response going to be um, in terms of, of, of measuring, reporting, and improving um, on? And, and um, 
you know, what's what's the sort of scope? How far down the supply chain are are we going to to pursue? So it's sort of a multi-step process, and then you can apply that to the next issue, and then the next issue, um, and then over time you you start to notice that these issues are quite integrated with one another, and then it leads to the more important conversation of okay, we look at these together, these issues together. What does that mean strategically for our organization? Um, and few organizations are taking it at that level, uh, you know, and and that's that's really where the, the rich conversations between the board and the executive team really need to happen. Um, and, and at the moment, it, it's not quite there. It's sort of sitting with a CSR team or a marketing team uh, that may be reporting to, to someone at the senior, senior level of management. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Mike. Thank you so yeah, Go ahead, Carolina. No, I just want to say thank you so much, Mike, for these responses. And we are happy that you accept our invitation. Great, it's happy to be here. I'm happy to be here and, and to share some of the some of the information you're looking for. So let me know if I can help in any other way. Yeah, um, and then, um, so Mike, you, you stated that, you know, for now it's just with the CSR team. So how can we ensure that, you know, it transcends beyond, like, for example, when working with companies, you know, some companies have like the CSR team and then the CSR teams are the one that deliberate on what sustainability um, issues to like, you know, invest in. Now, how can we ensure that it moves and tr or transcends from the CSR team, for example, to the board in terms of the policies for them? Yeah, so, so in that situation, let's say hypothetically, you know, um, this is an in, in an industry where social and ecological issue is not demanding uh, attention by the board yet mm -hmm. um, because it, it's just not generated an, enough social traction mm -hmm. that the board needs to respond. But you have a group of people in the organization who are really passionate about an issue that they know is, is, is quite strong in the industry and they're uncomfortable about their organization's contribution to that intentionally or not. And, and they want to, uh, to make this, you know, a more significant part of what they do as an organization. So it's, it's no doubt an uphill battle um, in that you're, you're just trying to get the attention of, of the senior level team um, or the board. Um, and in that way, you have to present it in a way that's going to get their attention. Hmm. Uh, you know, assuming this is a traditional public company, so you got to start off with the business case yeah. and, and that you're, you know, you're trying to generate, Hey, if we start to move in this direction, we could be saving significant amounts of money. We could be generating additional forms of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I'm not, you know, a huge uh, advocate for the business case. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, but mm -hmm. it, it, it is a sort of starting point. Mm. For, for getting the attention of, of the key decision makers in the organization to say, hey, this, this might have some strategic implications. Mm. And that's really what the CSR team is trying to do is, you, know, you might get, get the attention of the, the COO if you're generating some, some discussion on how there'd be cost savings associated with this, but you're then getting the attention of the full C-suite when um, you're talking about more strategic implications of, of, you know, how this could be a source of differentiation among our competitors, um, how it could be, you know, getting in the forefront of future regulatory hurdles that we might face. 
uh, or getting in the in the front of, of some of the, the social risks and reputation risks if we continue to ignore these sorts of things. And so it's positioning. Um, a lot of it is uh, positioning and trying to avoid, you know, a, a more altruistic uh, perspective on it, especially among public companies where you're just not going to have an executive team or, or board of directors who, who sort of get the, the importance and relevance of these issues um, in the short term. They need some socializing around it. Exactly. And part of it's just kind of speaking their language at first before you start to go too far around, yeah. uh, you know, fundamental changes in the organization. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mike, for that um, interesting answer. And then the, 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 another question I have here is, um, who does the ESG team report to? Who does the ESG team report to? Uh, it depends on the organization. It's really up to the organization on how they want to structure uh, ESG. Um, you know, I've, I've seen it where they're, they're reporting to the, the, the CMO, the chief marketing officer. Mm. Uh, I've seen it where, where they're reporting to the COO because it was more of a supply chain uh, relevance in the supply chain. Uh, I've seen them where they report directly to the CEO. Um, so it, it really varies. And it comes back to the, the broader sort of um, question of which industry are we in? How relevant is the, the CSR social and, and ecological issues to that industry? Uh, that'll then dictate structurally where they end up in an organization. If, if they exist at all, um, in some cases, they, they won't exist, and it'll be you know more of a, a task that will be taken on by the existing structure. Um, so you know, in the past, the most common has has sort of been in the marketing area and PR, mm. which is an unfortunate sort of position of of something like this. But increasingly, what you're seeing is you know board of boards of directors having a CSR committee um, and and CSR expertise. Uh, you know, existing at the executive level in the past few years, mm. largely for those organizations where uh, these issues are, are particularly uh, substantive for them in terms of addressing risk issues and uh, regulatory issues. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Um, in your role as a consultant for businesses, what, what, do you, what, are, what, what do you think is the main challenge that businesses face in terms of you know, improving their CSR practices or their business practices? Um, the main challenge, I think, is just, is, um, is just building, building a framework that helps them understand how their organization interfaces with these ESG issues. Mm. Um, you know, because they, they, you could get quickly overwhelmed by all of these topics that come up, That's right? So you're, you've just been getting your head around climate change and then, you know, you get uh, questions from your board around what are we doing around systemic racism? Mm, and mm. so if, if you don't have a framework that you could use to then say, okay, let's, let's take this issue and, and understand it and, and figure out its interface to our operation, um, then you're always going to be spinning your wheels and feeling like you're, you're just struggling to make any, any sort of progress. So once you build the framework, then you start to get your head around you know, what are, what are we going to uh, make strategic for this organization? Where are we going to allocate resources? Mm. Where do we have greatest impact? What's most palatable to, um, to shareholders, to our board? 
um, you start to categorize these different topics. You know, even which ones will we out, will we pay attention to a little bit later? Which ones are most urgent? So that's probably the most important thing is is building that framework so that you you have uh, a template through which you can digest and understand uh, these social and ecological and governance issues means to your organization. Because then that's going to provide you with the path on how do we respond. Exactly. You know, is, is it going to be, okay, in, this, in these issues, it's going to be the business case. In these issues, mm. um, we're really going to look at it from a, from a risk perspective. For these three issues, we're going to make this much more strategic um, and try to take a leadership role in this space. Mm. Um, so that then you can, that then starts to inform resource allocation, structural changes that might exist. Um, and a number of the other sort of, of policy questions that we were kind of alluding to earlier. Okay, thank you so much, Mike. And then in terms of like the um, the policy, because we have like new um, like laws, there's so many laws on climate change now. How can you like advise companies on how to comply in terms of like compliance? Like how can you, you know, advise them to, you know, in terms of compliance with the laws, how can they go about it? Um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think you got to, First of all, understand the, the, the context you're in in terms of what the regulatory environment is like or, or anticipating what it's going to be like. Okay. Um, but from, from, a, you know, from a climate change perspective, getting ahead of, of that sort of regulation is starting to pin down how to measure your CO2 mm. as, as you know, the first sort of starting point. Um, to get, and scope one is the, the first sort of step. Is, is how do we start to get our head around how to measure our, our carbon emissions? Because that is likely going to be a regulatory requirement among public companies exactly. to report on their, their carbon emissions and then moving to scope two and scope three. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, you, you're going to, so a big part of it is, is just trying to get your head around from an ecological point of view, how are we measuring, the, measuring these issues? And on the social front, how are we measuring these? Because our regulator may be requiring us to report on uh, on these these issues over time, um, and so did based on the environment that you're in, you know what what's what what's mm. top of mind for regulators, and that's partly going to depend on the industry, and then start there around how do we start getting our head around what our contribution is to this issue, how we're reporting it, and how we're measuring ourselves against it, and what targets we would have to to reduce um, you know our our contribution to these issues. Then you're getting ahead of the regulation. So that when it does come, you, you do have uh, a, a bit of um, you know a bit of runway to uh, uh, before that regulation sorts of creeps up in terms of how stringent it is. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, um, Mike. That's so so helpful. Thank you so so much. We're really grateful for the insightful answers that you've given us, and you know we hope that you know viewers can are going to be educated and they will enjoy um, the latest topical issues about you know sustainability and you know, CSR issues and also ESG as well, because we've learned a lot and we're looking forward to, you know, receiving comments from viewers, you know, about the, you know, the questions that we've asked and we'll definitely be sure to give you feedbacks as well on the discussions. Great. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And we look forward to hosting you again very soon. Yes. (laughs) All right. Bye for now. Yeah, bye for now. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.